Hi, and welcome to the Ministry Network Podcast. I'm your host, James Baird. Today, we'll be speaking with my great friend, Drew Primus. Drew is a Duke MBA, a certified financial planner, and partner and president of Primus Financial. Today, we'll be speaking with Drew about how to approach your finances from a Christian perspective. Ministry Network just launched a new teaching series called Behind the Pulpit with teachers like John Piper, Timothy Keller, Alistair Begg, Conrad Mbewey, and many more. To check out the new series, visit ministrynetwork.com forward slash behind the pulpit. Now, let's talk with Drew. Drew, thank you so much for joining us here on Ministry Network. Thank you for having me, James. Really, really an honor to be here. This is going to be such a helpful and fun conversation today. We're going to be talking about finances and specifically as they relate to our calling as Christians. And I couldn't think of anyone I'd rather talk about that topic with than you. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. And I guess you didn't want to find a dentist and talk about root canals. So you found a financial advisor to talk about money. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, first, I'm wondering if you can give us um, a little bit of your story and just tell us about your background. Sure. Yeah. So I'm a I'm a Metro Atlanta guy. I grew up and uh, went to school here. And my dad was a financial advisor when I was growing up. So I always knew the value of I should be saving some money. So <laughs> yeah, I, that was the extent of it. But I knew that was something I needed to do. So I saved my lawn mowing money through middle school and high school. There you go. And uh, I was able to after I went to went to college up in Virginia. Went to Hamden Sydney College, which is a great school up there. Played a little bit of basketball for a few years. Then I worked there for a couple of years in the president's office. Worked for a gentleman named Chris Howard, who is just awesome. He's the president of Robert Morris University up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania now. And then after that, I ended up going to Duke to get my MBA, which was awesome. And uh, that was the first time I really understood the power of investing because my lawn mowing money paid for one of my years of school at Duke, which was really great. So I learned a lot of lessons about money while I was at Duke, but my dad taught me one of those valuable ones by when he said, hey, you can pay for this yourself because you made good decisions a long time ago. So I uh, did two years, got my MBA, and at the end of that, I came and joined the family firm. We've got a boutique office, about 10 people that work here in Metro Atlanta. I'm working with kind of families and individuals who want to make good decisions and helping them hopefully, you know, make uh, bigger scale versions of the benefit I had of making some wise investments decisions early on pays off in the long term if you can get those habits down and sustain them over a long period of time. So that's where I am now. That's awesome. And you're a certified financial planner? Yeah, I spent, I think I did like 14 months of going to school on Wednesday nights for a few hours and had a bunch of really good professors take their time to teach that to me, which was really nice. And it's a good little designation. Man, that's awesome. Well, you know, I think it's so important when we're thinking about money to go back to first principles. So what are some principles from the Bible that help us think about money? Sure. Yeah. So I think um, the Bible's full of good principles when you think about money. And I feel like there's different ones that stand out to me at various times in my life. And one of the ones that I was talking about, I I got married a month ago, 
So I got a ring, I got a ring on now. <laughs> and I was talking to my wife about this and we were talking about, you know, just combining budgets and households and how much do we want to live off of? How much can we give and that sort of thing. And one of the principles that came up is something from the Psalms where, and you're the, you're the seminary professional. So you, I want you to make sure you tell me, I forget where it was exactly, but it was basically comparing God to being a tree that provides you just enough shade to get you through the really hot day. And I think there's a lot of a lot of just beauty to that. But that idea of just enough to get through is something that, hey, that's where we want to start with our principles of money. We don't need so much that we have extra. We don't need overflowing for ourselves. We want it to have just enough for ourselves so we can overflow for other people. And I think that perspective can be really healthy when you're thinking about, all right, how am I positioning myself? Am I an accumulator? Am I just thinking about me, me, me? Or am I trying to provide for myself, make good decisions for me and my family so that we can give to other people and help other people receive just enough so that they can get going in their own ways that, um, with that. So that's a concept. I don't have the exact verse on that one for you, so I'm sorry about that. Maybe one of your other guests <laughs> will be able to call that one to mind ex- immediately. So that's the first one. Um, the uh, the other there's a few other ones that just are you know pretty pretty frequently mentioned, and it's you know go go to the ant you sluggard, consider his ways and be wise, for he stores up in in times of plenty, and so then in, when there's times of want, he has left over so he can share it. I did not quote that one exactly correctly, but the principles there of when there's abundance, you save so that when there's when there's not enough, you can share. That's also kind of what. Uh, and then what Joseph was talking to the pharaohs about, too, is why he went, like God sent him there, is so that you know he could help the civilization survive with that principle. Um, so I think that's, that's a really big one. And then, uh, you know, there's all kinds of things through Jesus' ministry that we can look at. But I, I like those two ideas of, of just being wise and then the principle of just enough. Let's go with those two to start. Yeah, those are really helpful. Would you mind helping us unpack their opposites? So maybe we could start with the fear of never having enough. Yeah, it's so easy to just pay attention to whatever news cycle you want to follow, whatever market you want to be tracking, and it's going to go up and it's going to go down. And the more you pay attention to it, the more you can worry about it and the less control you have over it. And that can really just be totally exhausting. And, uh, I was listening to Jonah Goldberg, his podcast, The Remnant, the other day, and he was talking about this in a political sense, but I think it applies in a money sense too. It's a form of power worship where you're giving the narrative of the economy. That's what matters, and that's what controls your spirit. That's what controls you know, how you think about the world. And I think it's really important for us to be saying, you know, yes, I, I have some things I can control, but there's some things I can't control. And worrying about them is not going to make any differences. So I really encourage people to think about what can we control. We can control what do we do today? What are our plans for this month? What are our goals for this year? It's important to be looking 40 years ahead and to make sure that you have a plan for how you're going to get there. But somebody's Twitter feed or their app they have on their phone is not really, if we're relying on that for truth and the gospel, it really leaves us in a spot where we're just, we're not going to be in a place of peace and where we're really going to have our priorities lined up where we're thinking, hey, what really matters and what I really care about is that God is in control. Thanks, Drew. Yeah, those are really helpful kind of core concepts. And they also make me think of the parable of the talents, you know, where God wants us to not just hoard uh, his gifts, 
but to actually return them to him with a profit. So I was wondering, is there any way to do a financial checkup to see how well you're doing managing what God has given you, you know, a, a dashboard on how faithful you're being with your finances or, or anything like that? Is there a way to check in to see how you're doing? Wouldn't that be really nice if there was just a box that either was, you know, checked yes or no or green, yellow, red on how well you're being a steward of God's resources? It's such a great question and what a great parable. As we think about it, it's we are all given something. I was talking with a couple the other day. They 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 were given $30,000 of student debt and a volunteer staff income to deal with. But they were still finding ways to have an impact with that. And then there's other people that I mean, we can all give the examples of the, the billionaire who's not being you know, a good, faithful steward with what he has. So much of that is, are we pursuing the Lord with what we have and with our whole hearts? And you really want the money to be a reflection of where your heart is rather than what is driving your heart. Um, I think that's, that's really an important principle to be thinking about is, your real work is spent with your time in the Word. It's in your walk with Christ. That's where you're really going to be making sure that your priorities are in order. And, you know, like we talk about good works, those are definitely a part of Christianity, but they, you want them to be an outflowing of your faith and your love. And if you see your, your responsibility or being a good steward of your money as an outflowing of your love for Christ, I think that's the goal we want to be working towards. Uh, what does that mean in terms of percentages, though? <laughs> you need to be giving a tithing 11%. Is that, you know, we get 1% more? Or are we, you know, investing with biblically responsible investments only? There's a lot of questions there. And a lot of that is, I think, is up to the individual and what they're being called to on their own. And it's, uh, I think there is a lot of responsibility, though, on us to take the time to understand what our options are, what's available to us. And that we're thinking through and making a good decision. You know, we can only make the best decision that we can make. You know, and that's when we're called to a standard. That's really all we can do um, at a time where it's, you know, the Bible. There's not a, there's not a verse in that Peter wrote or that Paul wrote that we can understand. Oh, immediately I know that means this for my money and my budget today. And how can I pay for Netflix this month? So it's really, you know, trying to have your finances reflect your heart and not setting it aside to be something separate from the rest of your life of, all right, I'm going to love Jesus with all my heart, except for my portfolio, except for my Roth IRA, except for my extra money I have in the budget every month. You don't want that to be the exception of how you're thinking about it. Oof, man, what a challenge. Just thinking about that idea of, do your finances reflect where or, or actually it's probably your finances do reflect where your heart is and is your heart in the right place <laughs> man for where your treasure is there will your heart be also comes to mind and i mean that's convicting i think no matter how much you've thought about it how much you're trying you're always going to be oh there it's not perfect <laughs> and there's a way to go and we can always be moving towards christ in every area of our life including our finances Okay, let's talk about a sticky topic. How should Christians think about investments, but I mean, in particular, the stock market? What makes you think that is a, what's sticky about that to you as we're, as we're thinking about that? Well, I can just think of the stock market's always a risk. Well, a lot of people think of it that way. And I just, I think it's hard for a lot of people to understand. And some of them are wondering, 
you know, is it irresponsible to let my cash depreciate and I'm not putting it anywhere? Or on the other hand, do I risk losing it? You know, I think a lot of people just have some confusion around what it is and how they should relate to it. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. If you're not comfortable with knowing what the stock market is in particular, like what does it actually mean? It's such a complicated being almost. It seems like a member of our society on its own with its own mind that we kind of have, we try to keep in a cage, but it gets out every now and then we have to try to stuff it back in there. It can be really scary, but I would think that the stock market would kind of, I would pair it alongside just any financial product or location that you have out there. It's, hey, where do I need to be putting my money? And how do I do that responsibly? And I think the most important thing that you keep in mind is it's, you want, you want to, what is this money for? You want to make sure you understand that. There's some money that you need every month to spend. There's going to be some money that you need to be setting aside. You know, you've got You've got a kid. You know what it's like. There's going to be a broken arm in your future. You're going to need a couple thousand bucks for something. Uh, You've got to replace the water heater. A new roof comes up. You have to have cash on hand for that. That money, the key is you don't want it to be down. You want to be in the stock market and you need it in March 2020 where you have to pull out a lot of money. That's not where you want that money to be held. You want to be in in a solid position where you can be earning interest in it. So that's just a boring cash account if you're making 0.6% a year that's okay. Then there's other money, your 401k at work, your 403b, your Roth IRA. And I love to help people think about something other than just going and playing golf five days a week and that being what retirement looks like. How can this empower you to make a difference in a way where you don't have to worry about your salary? What does that mean in terms of expanding your ministry potential? So to do that, if you're going to give yourself the best opportunity to have the most flexibility the soonest, that's going to end up with you thinking, all right, what positions give me that opportunity? And if you're thinking that way, that's going to lead you to some form of the stock market, individual stocks, ETFs we like, might be mutual funds for you or a target date fund. It will vary person to person and situation to situation. But you really want to be thinking, all right, this is a tool to empower me to advance the kingdom. What is going to make it the most effective, this dollar, at helping me do that. And it's got to be thinking about what do you want this dollar to do? And so I encourage people to always say, all right, I've got, if you have extra or if you don't have extra, make sure that you know what each dollar is doing. And then you want to put it in the place where it can do that the best, let it thrive. So that's how that's stock market. You know, it's going to go up. It's going to go down over time. It's been the best place to have money long-term if you want to get growth, but you have to be able to stomach the ups and downs and you don't want to have money in there that if for some reason you need, you know, money for, that you got to get a new minivan because you had a, another baby or something. You want to be able to have that cash available so that you're not hurting if you need that money at a time when the market's down. So there's just a balance. And each place you know, has a bucket. You've got your, con- we, we think of three big buckets when you're doing your investments. You've got your conservative bucket and that's just going to be there for you. At different stages of your life, that conservative bucket is going to be bigger or smaller. And then you're going to have your income bucket. It might be in a spot where in your retirement and most of your investments are in that income bucket paying you your that's your salary suddenly is your income bucket you might be a younger age where you don't really need any income off of your investments because you're getting it off of your salary so most of your money would go in the third bucket that's the growth bucket and everyone's kind of got their version of how you split it between those three buckets but i, I think that's how you kind of make it a little bit more digestible of hey where am i putting my money because some of it's going to be in the stock market but not all of it has to be there What's most important for me and my family for this dollar? 
So many helpful tips in there. One thing in particular that kind of surprised me in a really good way was talking about the difference between viewing the stock market as a tool to help you expand the kingdom or a way to get rich quick and retire. <laughs> and that, you know, depending on which motivation you bring to the table, it could actually help you make wiser decisions because you're not trying to be as, as rash. Could you talk about that a little bit more? And I'm not sure I said that exactly right. So feel free to rephrase that. Well, I know you work at a seminary, so you don't struggle with this like most of us do, but I have uh, inside me, my desire is to be really wealthy. Um, (laughs) I want to make it, I want to get really rich and I want to find the perfect investment or the perfect job that's going to make that happen. You obviously are immune to those desires. Of course. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And I think we all struggle with that. And it's really, you know, you if that's your goal, that's where all of your efforts are going to be moving towards. And if your efforts are moving in that direction, your heart's going to be following. And so I think it's important to think about, you know, what is our our end goal in life? Randy Pope is a pastor at Perimeter Church here in Atlanta. I've been going there for 35 years hearing him teach, and he just stepped down a couple of years ago. But one of his great talks that he'll give, he delivered it, actually my sister's at an event in Sea Island last weekend where he was talking about uh, when you get to be 70 years old, what do you want to have accomplished in your life? You know, to be looking back. And then what are those things that are really important to you in your personal, professional, family, you know, physical goals? What are those things that when you're 70, really, you can say back and say, you know, my life was worthwhile because I accomplished these things. Why not dedicate everything you have towards accomplishing those goals now so that you can really say you did it? And seeing the stock market as a, as a means to an ends is great. I just don't think that the ends of luxury and leisure is necessarily the goal that we need to be prioritizing the most. It's how can I love other people like Christ would want me to love them? And if the stock market helps me get to a spot where I can do that on an even greater scale, let's do that. That's so helpful. Just thinking about money as another way to love other people and love the Lord, you know, instead of an end in of itself. That's really helpful. So we've kind of addressed the person who may have some capital and wants to turn it into 100x more of that capital. But there are a lot of people, like you talked about, they've been gifted with $30,000 in student debt and you know a job that is helping them make ends meet, but that's about all it's doing. For a person in that position, I imagine one thing that they're really trying to work through is budgeting. You know, Trying to think about how to track where all your dollars are going and then, as you said, put it to the best use possible. I know that there's no sort of golden tablets descending from Mount Sinai on a budgeting, but is there anything helpful that you would recommend to an individual or a couple who's trying to get their head around their money for the first time and control their spending? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that, that I always tell people is try. Just make an effort. There's not going to be a single answer that is going to work for everyone. There's a lot of people where Dave Ramsey's program works for them, and that's great. You know, it's really been a helpful ministry to a lot of people. My church has hosted a number of his events. My brother-in-law and sister, my brother-in-law loves spreadsheets more than anything, and he's got color-coded spreadsheets for every expense on every credit card or cash or anything that he and my sister ever use. My sister couldn't care less of this, but she just sends in the receipts and it automatically gets them. And he'll stay up at night rather than watching reality television show or, uh, you know, The Queen's Gambit like you or I might. He's just working on his little spreadsheet. And he, they are to the penny. They know where every dollar is going. And my sister can go to the grocery store knowing exactly what her budget is. And that really works for them. It would drive me bonkers. But I have so much respect for him. I have so much, I have a little bit of envy for him being able to do that. 
I can't really do that. There's other people that love Mint or Wealthfront or one of these online programs, and they can be really valuable tools. I think they take a lot of work to keep them up to date. I'm always feeling like I'm getting logged out or one of my bank connections is expired or something like that is happening. And I just forget to log in after a few weeks and then it's not helpful anymore. What I've found works for me and I'm at the spot where I'm making just a little bit more and I'm, I don't have kids so my expenses are super low right now, which is nice. But I make a little bit more than I spend, but I'm never really sure how much. So what I've done is I've kind of automated my good habits and then I, that way I can be free in my other habits, <laughs> which I think is really nice for me. So I know that I want to save 15% to my retirement and another 10% extra. I try to save 25% a month. So I have it automatically taken out. So when I, every month, so every, you know, first of the month, 15th of the month, whenever I see more money in my bank account, I know that I've already made that good decision of taking the money out that I want to make. So right now I've got my eyes on some Michael Jordan, the Air Jordan 11s. There's some new that are coming out December 12th that I really got my eye on, the Jubilees. Yeah, and you also want to get a Christmas gift for your wife, obviously. Exactly. Yes. And I know my wife loves basketball shoes. (laughs) So I know like, hey, I can buy these if I've already made these good decisions. Maybe that one I probably should run faster. But (laughs) for the most part, I know I can I can spend money much more freely for my personality, knowing that I've already made the decisions that I want to make for the month. And I just have a bucket that I can spend whatever I want. If it's a month where groceries are low and travel is high or you know, right now it feels like I'm just ordering a lot of Grubhub and, you know, vegetables and meat that I can grill at home, which has really been fun for us. So like the budget's going to change every month. I can't do the envelope system just based on what my lifestyle is, but I know I can set aside a certain amount every month. So there's going to be great resources online that you're going to find a personality or a book that can guide you on a budget. Some people might love Excel. That's where they live every day. Some people might hate Excel. Some people might like the idea of just, hey, what are the good decisions I want to make? Let me just make those, and then I don't, I can be as my normal irresponsible self on what a little is left, because I know I've already made my good decisions. And some people might find one of those online tools like Mint or Wealthfront to be a really good resource. But the key is you got to explore and find out what works for you, and then know, and this is something that I was talking to a couple yesterday about, what works for you might not work for your wife or your husband. <laughs> And you really, you're a couple on this. It doesn't work if just one of you is driving it. You got to find a system where both of you are involved and are aware of what's going on and are able to move forward together on this. So don't just stop when you find something you like. Continue to press on until you find a system that works for both of you. Join us next time as we continue our conversation with Drew Primus. In the meantime, visit ministrynetwork.com forward slash behind the pulpit to learn about our new teaching series. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of Westminster or Ministry Network and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. The information provided here is for general informational purposes only and should not be considered an individualized recommendation or personalized investment advice. Data contained here is obtained from what are considered reliable sources. However, its accuracy, completeness, or reliability cannot be guaranteed.